Football, by the hell. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football, bloody hell. Oh, what a wonderful way to come back. Mr. Paul Thorpe joins us tonight. Paul, how are you doing? Lovely. Raring to go. Um, it's nice to be back. And um, yeah, yeah, let's, um, let, let, let's get it going. The listeners who've uh, either just joined us uh, for a first pod or uh, have been listening for a while, uh, Paul has been in Spain over the past month or so. We've all been very jealous of him, but uh, he is back. He is here for some football predictions and uh, we are greatly looking forward to see what uh, him and Unai think tonight. Uh, also joining <laughs> us is Mr. Dave Pryor, commentary team manager. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm very good myself, thank you. And uh, we also have, as always, Mr. Rick Hyatt. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. I'm not as tanned, as thorpy or as important as Dave, but I am here. <laughs> We've got commentary team manager, we have Bobby Everton player, and Rick. Cheers. We've also got myself, uh, Tom Bailey. So, the host joining us for today. The host, yes. So, I suppose I've got a title, which would be nice. We've got uh, all four of us to bring you some prediction action, as well as uh, bringing over some of the Yeovil chat and also the European ties as well. We will start with Yeovil, who, of course, played on Tuesday night, bringing a, uh, a narrow 2 1 win. At home to Western Supermare. Well, all four of us were there. Uh, Dave and Rick were on commentary. Uh, thought people sat up there as well in our little booth. But who do we start with? Well, uh, Rick, uh, I'm going to throw it to you first. Go on. A narrow win for you. Over. What were your general thoughts on the game? I think everyone kind of had the same sort of thoughts about the performance. Underwhelming. There seems to be a general sort of feeling of you're top of the league. Enjoy it. Play like you're top of the league. It's, they seem almost scared. And it's like they don't believe they're the best team in the division and should be going out. And I'm not expecting Yeovil to go out and win 4-0, 5-0 every week. That's ridiculous. But you'd think that there'd be a bit more confidence and a bit more assertiveness about about the way they're playing. They did. They let Weston back into it after getting off to a flying start with Will Dawes. No, it wasn't Will Dawes who scored earlier on, was it, Dave? Who scored the first goal in the first minute? Little Sammy Pearson. There you go. You got it right in the end. And you'd think from there that Yeovil would, would go on and would dominate it and, and what have you. But they just gradually sort of just released the grip on it and let Weston back into it. A bit of a disastrous equaliser. And I'm glad that Morgan Williams got the winner. So he's got that monkey off his back. He doesn't have to worry about costing the team points or whatever. But I just like a bit more conviction, a bit more belief in themselves as a team, as the best team in the division and run through the tape at the end of the season rather than just limping, limping over the line. Dave, as Rick said, obviously Sam Pearson got that opening goal. and Yes, he did. Or did mentioning, he? <laughs> or did he? Yes. With the sort of assertiveness that Rick was discussing as well, it really felt like from that goal that it, we could have gone on to easily get three or four. But after that, it kind of slowed down. Do you think the game was killed off by that early goal and it kind of, let Yeovil sit too deep too early. You know, we were we were saying that exactly um, on comms because the game against Haven on Saturday, it was very much a case of uh, anxiety seemed to get onto the players quite quickly from the crowd for the fact that they weren't breaking Haven down as quickly as 
the fans would like, considering it was essentially top versus bottom. It was flat, Whereas, wasn't it? It was really yeah, flat. Yeah, it was really Saturday. flat. But I know you mentioned, Rick, that you you, you felt there was an improvement uh, on Tuesday night with the crowd, but I still felt it was quite a funny atmosphere. But it might be similar to what you've just said, Tom, that actually we ended up getting the goal inside 52 seconds, was it? <laughs> I think it was. And then suddenly the game starts to settle down again and it almost feels like you're at nil-nil again because... So you've you've gone one nil up so early, so you don't need to start chucking bodies forward or, or anything like that early on to kind of get the crowd up to get an early goal because you've already got one. So it, it was a bit of a, a strange situation to be in, really. But I thought there was quite a lot of similarity to both games. I think it's difficult, isn't it? It's always difficult to say that Yeovil has sort of hit a bit of a... It's not a dip, is it? Because they're still obviously picking up the points and getting the results. But you could tell the fans are, are finding it a bit frustrating because a lot of the ball was going backwards and, and that sort of thing but actually if you look at it from a different aspect you can take Morgan Williams for instance you know his mistake last season that mistake wasn't getting rectified in the second half and coming up with the winner it was heads down and you're conceding two or three more so you can see that Yeovil were in a position where they're able now to rectify their mistakes and they don't have to play well to just up it a gear when they need to and and go on and win the game still so it's a it's a difficult one but maybe maybe Thorpe or or enlighten us that when you're in that position maybe the closer that you do get to to getting over the line that you do suddenly get these performances just start to creep in and as long as you keep on picking up the wins and particularly with this week as well with Worthing dropping further points I mean you can't you can't see Yeovil like throwing this away I mean touch wood and whistle what do you think Thorpe? well uh, yeah Exactly that, really. I mean, you know, it's about winning, and um, no matter how you do it, it, it is, it, you know, there's uh, two aspects of this. I sort of see the managerial side of it and say, like, I'm happy. We're still not playing particularly well, but we're we're grinding out, putting our mistakes right. You know, I also see the other side of it where you, you're in the entertainment business, and um, it, there's almost like, why are we not attacking? Like, you know, when you when you score so early as we did that should encourage you then to keep pressing. And I think that we stop pressing. And I, there's not enough character, and this is what worries me for next year, there's not enough character in the side to then rectify that little issue that you, you, you have in there to say, right, keep grinding, keep pressing, keep pressing. Do you think with the game so, Saturday, the fact that Weston actually played it really well, I thought, the fact that they didn't go, because they went to go down early, they didn't like chuck everything at Yeovil and go gung-ho to try and get back in the yeah. game quickly, which would have left yeah. spaces, and then Yeovil could have picked them off and got two or three more. They just stayed in the game, didn't they? Well, I think their game plan, um, whatever that was, was it to stay in the game, and or they, they, they didn't change much. No. And I felt that because we dropped off a little bit, the pace of the game slowed up, and that almost like went, as soon as Western Supermare better, you know, and all of a sudden, then then you get into the point where actually we've now got to go and start pressing and we don't really want to do it because we're actually 1-0 up. We want to protect that. So I sort of get why it happened. But, you know, second half, there was, you know, obviously the mistake. But I, I've got to give him great, great character to come back and attack that ball from that corner to rectify it and score the winner. I mean, that's great character. Um, you know, he's had a good season, the two centre-halves they've been put there since Josh relinquished that position and... Um, They've got a real, real um, a bond there now. So, uh, you know, to come back and then rectify that and score the winner, I think is great credit to his uh, mentality. He didn't just go into his shell and then he came back fighting and got that winner. And I just think that at the moment, 
you know, when you look at it, like, you know, there was another game that night and Man City did, you know, thought there might, people might have thought I was going to be 3-4-0 against Brentford and they struggled with a, a mistake and got the 1-0 win. So I think it's about winning now. You've got to have that winning mentality, especially going up to the next level. And um, hopefully uh, that they're starting to build that strength and that resilience to, to grind out these results. But, you know, because they're going to definitely need it when they when they go up. I'm not saying if they go up, I said when they go up. You know, so it's you know it's, it's in their hands now. You know, they got a chance of going. Is it sixteen points clear? Currently thirteen points. Yes, yeah, so it would be sixteen yeah. if we won our game in hand. Yeah. So then that really does show a level of competency that that they they've got it right. Would I like more attacking football? And would I like more flair in the game? Absolutely, hundred percent. But ultimately, football's about winning games. You know, and um, we'll be talking about Torquay shortly. But Torquay United, I really thought you know got good manager, good setup, good players. You know, now obviously we're seeing why why you know it's all going um, Pete Tong down there. But um, they're struggling, and bigger teams are struggling. So we we're, we're not doing that. Martin, as bless him, has put his money where his mouth is, and I really think he's done an amazing job turning his football club around, literally like that. And that's not easy to get the success that we have. I think is is absolutely phenomenal. Well, you, you touched on Torquay. We'll t- we'll touch on them in a moment. We'll look ahead to Saturday now, where Yeovil are travelling away to Chelmsford City, who on Tuesday night did beat uh, Hempstead for one. They gave us a good game early on in the season. Did Chelmsford one all draw? Morgan Williams actually scored in that game as well, a 90th minute equaliser. So it's going to be interesting seeing how Yeovil tackle this one, Chelmsford currently in a, a very good run of form there. Third place. Yep, third in the table, good goal difference as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh how they how they approach this one. Rick, I'm not sure how much you, you necessarily know about Chelmsford, but maybe I press you for a prediction at, at the bare minimum. I know as much about Chelmsford as I do about every other team that isn't Yeovil Town in this division. That's a commendable amount and a consistent quantity I think you'll find. And it's and sorry, Valley's radio co-commentator Rick yeah. Hyatt there for the National League South. <laughs> the actual pitch is slightly sloping end to end. And I was just going to say that, Thorpey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep um, talking. I'll tell you other things I was just about to say. <laughs> it's two different halves, really. I mean, you've got to defend that sort of slope in, in a way, but it also gives you a chance of getting behind them with a slightly longer ball hold up. When you're playing like down the slope, then it's, it's a chance for you to, um, you know, a few more long ranges. All depending on what the wind wind's like, because it does get a little bit blustery up there. It'd be an interesting game, and um, you know, I, I think that um, if you will come out with a draw out of this game, I think that'd be a really good result because they'll be throwing everything at Yeovil for sure. There'll be attack, attack, attack. Let's see if we can, because they're in in such a great position, you know, and uh, they're really, really pushing to get that that second place. So. They'll be throwing everything uh, at Yeovil, so they've got to stand up to the pressure. And if um, by that they get the lead or, or get a draw, I think that'll be a fantastic result up there. So I, th- I think, after having agreed with everything that Thorpey's just said, because it is exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Thorpey, you've left yourself nothing to say, mate, because you've just said all my things. I know, because you, you, you were always going to say all that, wasn't I you? was. I was. You've left yeah. yourself nothing to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it will be a one-all and I think it will probably be one-all the goal machine who scores it. don't look at Dave Pryor Dave Pryor. he's so pleased with that pun work but yeah that's what I think will happen you've been working with me too closely in, in close proximity Rick. it's I funny think. I do a music show on Three Valleys as well 
And there was a line in it today. I was plugging the pod where I said about us doing commentary Saturday, doing commentary on Tuesday, doing this tonight. I think I've seen you more than Abby has this week, haven't I? <laughs> she lets me know it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not complaining, mine, but I just, you know, I don't think it's my place. Well, Dave, what are your thoughts on, on Chelmsford, if any? And again, if I could press you for a prediction. Yeah, they're going well. Really well. The game earlier in the season, like you say, they were quite impressive. They were one of the most impressive sides that we've had come to Hewish Park, to be honest. And the fact that Yeovil are sort of in this position at the moment where they're they're sort of grinding the results out, they're not having to up the gears. Maybe this is not quite the game you can afford to be stodgy in. But having said that, they've had these sorts of results before in the season and they've got really good wins, you know, away from home. They had uh, 4-2 the other the other week against Tunbridge, then even further back, they had that 2-1 win, impressive win at Worthing. <laughs> Morgan Williams again um, for that one. So they are coming away from these games with results other than really um, the Maidstone game, which was a game that they, you know, against a team that are up and around the top end of the pitch. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say um, a testing to get things up and running and that Yeovil will You're gonna have to exp- one, two winners. You're going to have to explain that to... To Unai, because he's been away for a little while, hasn't he? He hasn't yeah, realised how the language has evolved. Of course, of course. Philippe, a testing is a one-two. One-two, one-two. Testing, one, two. testing. One-two. One, two. One, two. Okay. Got you. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> you turn your back for five minutes, Thorpe, and look what the children are up to. Chaos. <laughs> yeah, absolute chaos. Thorpe, any final thoughts on Chelmsford? I just think yeah. it's going to be a very difficult game. And the score I, I, will I think, be? I think it's going to be a one-all draw but or or Desmond. But I, I think it's going to be a... T- no, I don't think that'll be a one-all draw. I, I know, but I think it is a real It'll tough a one. They've got, they got to be a right on the metal for this game because Chelsea, as <laughs> I said, they're going to be right there. Go on, Tom Bailey. Oh, this could go either way and I don't if want to it, if, it, if it helps, Tom, I think Thorpey gave us about three score lines there. So I think you can do the same. <laughs> I think either Chelmsford or Yeovil will win or potentially a draw. <laughs> yeah, <quality>. <laughs> Throw <laughs> it out there. Is that one two one two? <laughs> I'm gonna be boring and say a one all. I don't wanna oh, I cheers. don't wanna say that Yeovil you're gonna, you're gonna say the same prediction as me and say it's boring. You you, cheers, you offend you you so offended yeah. three quarters of the panel there by saying <laughs> I, I've I've lost either way there. We'll cut that part out, it's fine. <laughs> no, we won't before we before we move on from the National League South, as, as Thorpey mentioned earlier about Torquay, there's some big news that's coming out today about Torquay in that, firstly, Clark Osborne, the now former chairman of Torquay United, has stepped down from his role and is, uh, well, he's looking to put the club into administration. Shortly after that, well, as an hour ago, as we record this, Gary Johnson has also departed Torquay United by mutual consent. So big change coming for preseason title favourites. Dave, what do you think this this means for the, the future of Torquay United and obviously the fact that Yeovil have found themselves in a similar position not too long ago? What would you perhaps suggest to Yeovil fans if there is any way to, to support Torquay? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, we, we've seen a lot, you know, social media is not always the best barometer um, <laughs> with these things. However despite everyone having their own rivalries and their things to say, I think football fans generally are quite united when it comes to this side of this kind of thing. It's, it's one thing having, you know, banter with other clubs, but 
when you actually see a, a club in this much distress, um, we only know all too well how close we were to being in a similar sort of situation. And, you know, I, I, it looks like that Taunton Town might not be in too far away from a, a, a similar situation as well. And these are old historical football clubs that have been just mismanaged in, in such a way. I mean, you only need to look at, from a more wider point, how many times do we say the National League is full of old historic football league clubs? It's because it's full of football league clubs that have been mismanaged, and that's why they're in the National League, and they shouldn't be. And why you've got clubs that you wouldn't expect to be in the EFL that are punching well above their weight because they're being managed the right way properly, and you've almost got like a, a total reverse of what the Football League looked like about 30 years ago. And I think... All you can really do is it's sort of, I don't know, just sort of get get arms around each other and just kind of help support people in a, in, in a certain way when that, you know, some people might only have, you know, their football club in their lives. It's, 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 it's so important to so many different people and you don't want to wake up one day and see it's not there anymore. And as I say we know all too well how what that feels like, how we nearly found ourselves in that sort of situation. But I think as supporters, sometimes it's difficult to know what, what you can do because you, you can start trying to sort of raise funds from a community spirit level, but then you start to wonder where this money does actually go if you want to start doing something like that to, to raise money yourself. So it's a it's a sticky one for sure. But I just hope Torquay managed to, to sort themselves out because, you know, we want these rivalries for a reason because they're a good old historic football club and um, they need to be back up amongst it. Torquay, I'm sure you can grow off that especially as a, a former player I don't know if you've been in a in a team in that sort of financial position um, I'm not sure the the financial history of, of Yeovil and, and your other former employers yeah no I have and um, unfortunately the club uh, disbanded and it's uh, been taking a long time to get it back to even lo- lo- local level you know Trowbridge Town when I was there and the, the club they actually went all the way and actually you know went back completely bust and and, and went completely you know, the, the figures are not good at Torquay. It's 4.3 million. Expected to go up to possibly anything up to 5 million. You know, they're big figures to try and, at this level, to try and sort out. And uh, like the um, owner said, he needs new investment. And then he just he just, just can't keep on, on going like this. So it's, it's a real tragedy to see an old club of mine, only briefly for a short period, like, but it's still a, a, a good club and um, good supporters and, as everybody has said before, you know, it, football clubs are part of the community and that is a huge, huge thing. And it's not something that you want to see disbanded and, and, and lose. So it's really important that, that, that Torquay United need help. You know, I, I listened to uh, a, another uh, podcast and they, they, they were talking about, you know, why is it that the premiership clubs should just get rich? You know, surely there's enough money there that they should be able to send some money down into the to the other le- levels, especially at grassroots level, and that includes includes our division and the national league and and below it as well. It should be the money made available from from all these millions or billions that they are putting up for the Premiership to be able to support clubs that are in in dire need. You know, and I think there's some should be something set up for that fact, and then then Torquay could. Could have asked for help at the right time, and they, we wouldn't see this uh, club, the club in this situation. Yeah, definitely, Rick. I'm not sure if you've got any any final thoughts on that, particularly as as uh, someone who has had some um, interesting ownership across your time as a football fan with your respective clubs. It does seem strange, doesn't it, that there's that much money at the top 
and absolutely nothing as it filters down through. It's like if you look at the NFL, all the teams in it, they see it as a product, as they all get equal dibs in it and whatever. Whereas with football in our country, it seems to be very much survival of the fittest. And if a team goes to the wall, somebody else benefits as a consequence. You'd think that the, the Football League as a structure, or the FA, I suppose it comes down to the FA really, doesn't it? Because they're the overriding body of everybody. That it would be in their interest to protect their product and that means as much at the bottom, meaning that, yeah, because we always say about all oh, the, the FA Cup and all oh, the could there be an upset? Could there be whatever? Well, pretty soon, if we've only got 90 clubs in the country, you lose that romance of it. So it does need supporting and it and there's that much money. There's an obscene amount of money swilling around at the top. You'd think that it wouldn't take that much to support the teams, not necessarily prop them up or, or whatever, but just make, make it so that they are viable concerns and can run themselves sufficiently and don't get themselves in a situation where four and a half million pounds worth of debt in the National League South is a mad it's a mad sum of money to try and have to sort out and unless you get a camel botherer come in and bail you out it's very difficult to see where they're suddenly going to get that amount of money but I think it's in the FA's interest to protect the clubs lower down and protect their own product. Thorpe any just quick final words before we move on? Yeah, I just want to put something in perspective, right, about the, the, the money. People say there's no money available. There is money available, and I'll give you a, a clear example of that. Okay, they're talking about Kylian Mbappe, like uh, going to either a, a, a British club or, or or possibly to Real Madrid, right? They're saying it's a free transfer, right? Free transfer is not a free transfer. Let me tell you that. It costs a lot of money. And what really grinds my... Goat, so I was saying, could have said something else then, really grinds me, is that the football agent will be looking for either 20, 30, 40 or 50 million pounds into his own pocket for the move that Kylian Mbappe on a free transfer will be making. And that's money so that goes out of the game, doesn't it? It goes into no, the agent's pockets so, out of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So and that's about that football, you're right, you're dead right. That money is out of the out of football. Now, there should be something put in by the governments, right? I'll get my bit, my B on my bonnet now. That by the governments that should say that the maximum that you can give a agent is X amount of pounds. They absolutely earn obscene money, right, for transfers, and it's disgusting. And like, and, and it's money that goes out of the, out of the game, just to line people's pockets that become extremely wealthy people. They could probably go and buy three or four of these small little clubs themselves. But they're not interested because they're greedy lot sods and, and all they want to do is line their pockets. So there is money in the game and it should be set up. And I'd like to see if the government even went in there and said, right, you know, football agents, let's sort it out. Because they're absolutely filthy rich and they are just raping the game. But if, if the money that is there, I mean, just thinking about what I was saying about supporting the game going down through. Not necessarily giving the clubs money that they can spend on players and do whatever, but the infrastructure of the game. Infrastructure, the, the grounds, absolutely. The facilities. If yeah. you become a, a, a member of... Like, Does that National grind League, your goat as well, Rick? My goat is currently in a very much happier position than Thorpe's goat, who I, I, I feel for. <laughs> We should do titles for this pod because there it is. That grinds my goat, guys. It grinds my goat. (laughs) My poor goat. (laughs) Poor goat. (laughs) Moving on from Thorpe's goat, we will move on to the midweek European ties and just general action as there were two Premier League games that, in fact, we didn't predict. I think they were rescheduled from 
previous match weeks. We'll start with the Champions League on Tuesday night. Of course, we didn't think too much about that as Jovo were playing. Uh, there were two games. Inter Milan beat Atletico Madrid 1-0 at home. Marco Anatovic scoring the only goal in that game, who I think a lot of us, we, we went up to the bar after the Oval game. And I think a lot of us, if not all of us, were surprised at the fact that Marco Anatovic is A, playing for Inter Milan, and B, as old as he is. It's been good to see that he's still going, though, I guess. Dave, what are your thoughts on, on that? Is that a big win for Inter? Two very defensive setups uh, in that game. Yeah, I mean, you could say it was the battle of two potential new Liverpool managers, if you listen to Mr. Rick Hyatt. But yeah, um, just on the Anatovic point, I think he did have an earlier spell at Inter, didn't he? That didn't work out. I want to say he did. I might be totally wrong there. We said as well that Italy has always kind of historically been a place for older players to thrive. Like even when Italy was thriving in the in the 90s and the early noughties, it wasn't a case of it's aging players that are there to take a bit of a re- retirement and have a lovely old time. They're still playing to the absolute top of their game and they're still getting to Champions League finals and such like. And a lot of uh, big things are expected of this interside. But if you actually run through the team, you think, oh, they're kind of aging ex-Premier League players. Are you sure? But they seem to be very much playing in a structure that seems to be working quite well. And they can get the better Atletico Madrid, who... Let's face it, they're not always the easiest team on the eye to, to play against, but you know that you're going to get an absolute tactical battle and you're going to be in for a rough 90 minutes. So I think going to the um, the Atletico Madrid stadium that escapes me. Wanda Metropolitano. That's the one. Sounds like an ice um, cream. <laughs> I think that they will, they will fancy it, but I think it's still going to be... The second leg probably still has that feeling of a bit of a stodge about it because Atletico will try and play that way and try and try and nick something. So I think I think that's going to be quite a quite a tight one. Maybe not quite so easy on the eye. No, one thing the one that will definitely be tighter tighter on the eye, better on the eye, a less tight game, if you will. There we go. Is PSV versus Borussia Dortmund that finished one all on the night? Daniel Marlin taking the lead for Dortmund against his former employers for a Luke de Jong penalty made things equal. Thorpe with. PSV absolutely dominating the Eredivisie currently and, and Dortmund's sort of in and out of form. Does this look good for Dutch football or do you think this is perhaps a, a concern if a team like PSV can absolutely dominate the Eredivisie and still only draw one all with an out of sorts Dortmund side? No, I don't think so. I think they're, they're, they're in great form this year and I think that that's a credit to them. You know, the, the Eurodivisie is a, it's a sort of like a strange league, really, isn't it? It's like they've got the powerhouses there. But, you know, one of those powerhouses is not doing very well. But then got PSV some very really good players come... there this season. Sorry? It's got some really, really world world-class players in the Eurodivisie. You opened the door there to Rick. Let, <laughs> let, let Thorpe <laughs> finish, Rick. Sorry. <laughs> No, but they're, listen, they're, they're, they've taken the, the league by storm, really. And, um, you know, and I actually think that out of sorts, you know, German side, you know, they might be struggling, but they're still a decent side. And, um, you know, that, I don't think that that's a, a bad result for them, really. They've got a, got a difficult tie now to go and win it at Dortmund. But um, to get through, you know, you, if they get through to the next level, that's that's major. That's a major success for them, right? You know, because you wouldn't expect them to get through to the last, you know, the last eight, would you? Like, so it's, um, you know, that they're about to be massive for them. So there's something there. You know, again, it, I think that they may not have all the world class players in that level, of that that league, but um, they're certainly um, certainly playing well enough, and, and, you know, and building a team spirit there to um, try and get through to the last eight of the Champions League. 
And Rick, I've saved your favourite team for last. That, that lovely grin appearing on appearing on my screen, where your favourite team, Manchester City, won a uh, a tight affair at home to Brentford, a one 0 win, with uh, your triple captain Erling Haaland getting the winner. Um, I suppose. Do you have any any thoughts to share with us? 96 points on this week's Fantasy League. Thank you very much. That's the most interesting thing to happen to Manchester City. This I don't care. Beyond caring. The only interesting thing about Manchester City now is how long it takes to sort out the situation that we're all aware of and how severe the punishment for it will be. And that's all I'm interested in as far as City goes. They bore me. They're totally boring. Not interesting. We'll move on to Wednesday where there was obviously more European action and more Premier League action as well. Rick, we'll stay with you with another of your favourite teams. This time, FC Porto, who are not your favourite team, beating your other favourite oh. team, Arsenal, in a 1-0. A very, very tight affair there. A late wenderson Galeno goal. It was a decent shot, to be fair. I saw the, the replay of the, of the shot. Do you think David Raya should have done something with that, though? No, I think David Raya did exactly the right thing. What a terrible shame. For everybody concerned, there's people saying that uh, English clubs that are battling for this alleged fifth place should be getting behind the Camel Botherers and Arsenal to progress and therefore improve the English club's coefficient and increase the chances of there being a fifth Champions League place. That's nonsense. It really irritates me when people say, I want the English clubs to do well in Europe. I don't. I'm not suddenly going to want Arteta to have reasons to jump up and down like a spoilt child because he's had a good result in Europe. No, I thought that was hilarious and I enjoyed it very much. (laughs) Dave, we'll come to you next as a fellow football pervert. Napoli and Barcelona played out a somewhat dull one-all draw. It's unusual you can say that one-all is dull considering there were two goals, but... Two of the top strikers in European football currently got the goals. Robert Lewandowski getting the goal for Barcelona before uh, Victor Osserman got the equaliser for the hosts. How do you see that one going, potentially going into the second leg where Barcelona, with no away goals, of course, having to look to do something, Napoli likewise having to, to do something at the new Camp? There's no rewards on this show for being a football pervert, is it? You get your Inter Milan and Atletico, that stunk. And then you've got two out of sorts teams in Barcelona and Napoli. I think it's very much a better game on paper than probably what it is in reality. There's a lot of players there on both sides that almost feel like they've kind of had their day a little bit. The strikers are an interesting one because Lewandowski's had a probably the most difficult run in his career to date at the moment, albeit he's in the latter stages of it. Um, he's nearly Napoli, 50 now, isn't he? He's nearly 50, yeah. <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with that, as you well know, Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Napoli, it's it, it's slightly different. I think they're on their, they're just looking at their third coach of the season, I think it is. They've been in, they've done all sorts of things since they, they won the league, which you do sometimes see. But there's a lot of talk about Osserman, isn't there? But I'm, I don't say I'll watch a lot of Italian football, but the stuff that I've seen, I haven't necessarily agreed with the stance that he's almost a hundred million pound player plus I mean I've got to be careful what I say because you know he might end up coming to the Premier League and then smashing Alan Shearer's record or something I doubt it but you know there was talk about him going to the we saw a lot of AFCON games didn't we and we we spoke about that a lot there was talk of Osserman absolutely going there and smashing it and being the best player like in the tournament I never really saw that I know he had a little bit of a of an injury and he's had injury concerns this season but I think I would just be a little bit wary if I was um, an English team in particular that were going to smash 90 million at it 
to be quite honest. But in terms of the game, I think it's kind of take your pick, really. I think when it comes to the last eight and the quarterfinal draw, I think if you come out with a Barcelona or Napoli, I think you're pretty happy with um, with your draw, to be honest. Do you think, Dave, and everybody, that getting rid of away goals has killed it? Yeah. It's the stupidest there's, decision there's, that UEFA could have made. It's ridiculous. There's no jeopardy in it anymore. And there's no benefit for, if you're on a wayside, just park the bus. It doesn't matter. It's Whereas, weird, yeah. isn't it? Because when it was there, for ages, people used to be like, oh, why have we got that stupid away goals rule? And I I agree with you. It, it, it doesn't really make any sense, like, objectively having an away goals rule, but it didn't half make it interesting. And you know what you had to do away from home versus at home. Totally agree. What does the goat just... think, Thorpe? Sorry? What does your goat think? <laughs> Me goat? <laughs> He's been ground down for a little while now, so he's, uh, <laughs> he's having psychological help at the moment. Okay. Bless him. The goat has no comments. I've just seen as well that Napoli, I, I didn't realise, Dave, that you're right, they are on their third manager. I thought they still have Walter Mazzari, but they sacked him a couple of days before the Barcelona game. They've got Francesco Calzona now, who is uh, a former... National manager, current Slovakia manager as well. Can you believe it as well? I know. Someone could you get? I was listening to a pod. I don't know if you listened to it, Rick. Where can you get a more Neapolitan name manager than Calzona? Yeah. Yeah. No. That is what I would come up with if someone said, "Dave, give me a typical Italian name." I'd say Giuseppe Calzone, and it's not that far away. And it's that sort of attitude. That took us out of Europe, Dave Pryor. Out <laughs> means out. The thing is, they make their, these decisions, these top uh, leagues and whatnot, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, if you put five five teams, it's pretty much a, a quarter of our league going in into uh, the Champions League, and it should be about champions. It should be like the top two. Yeah, it's top two, isn't it? Really, from each country, fresh it out, and you get you get your winner. But now they've made it into this massive league. They want to progress it even now. So. We know what they're trying to do. They're trying to create the European League, aren't they? Yeah, by the back door. I get, by... I get that, Thorpey, but I think we get to a point now where if you just did top two across every country, that there's more weaker leagues than there are stronger leagues. So if you did that, I think if you then had just the top two across Europe, you then might find that your Europa League might actually be stronger than your yeah, Champions Dave. League because of the third and fourth teams in other countries. And it always used to be a case that the, the European Cup was harder to get into, but it was easier to win. You As Liverpool fans, beat Malmo in a final. When are Malmo going to get anywhere near a final again? You know, it's it's a harder competition to win, but it's easier to get into. Yeah, I, I see they, it. They yeah, it right yeah, I agree. That great. You know, nostalgia reasons. Uh, I prefer it the way it was. You had to... To win your division, they was the Champions League. And yeah, you, you got league winners from the Scandinavian countries and obscure European nations, whatever. But they were champions and it was it was the European Champions Cup. Yeah. Not anymore. I think we've got a topic for a uh, an off-season podcast there. Are you trying to say, boys, that Tom and I are spoiled with all this Champions League you don't current know format boring. stuff? We've... We don't know what it used to be like. We've not, we've not heard my thoughts. We'll move on from that. We'll save this for an off-season podcast, I think. <laughs> what we will move on to very quickly before we get to our predictions that we're all here for is the 4-1 win between Luton and Liverpool going in Liverpool's way. I really stumbled my way through that one. Thorpe, Luton took the lead. 
surprising. Yeah. No one really expected that one to come, but uh, they did take the lead, led into half time before the uh, barrage came from uh, from the Liverpool attack and four separate goal scorers. I think Jurgen Klopp could be very happy with that one. Absolutely. I don't think they didn't play too bad in the first half, really. Like, but I thought Luton, you know, I've really enjoyed watching them play. You know, they had a difficult start to the season, trying to find their way. I really do admire their manager. I think he's top class. And, you know, this game, he said, oh, I think we upset him. <laughs> you know, but second half, we really found out what Liverpool was about. And, um, you know, we, we, we struggled to cope with, with the, their dominance. The crowd were amazing. They said, I thought, you know what? Fair play. You've come out. Instead of like talking all football jargon and whatnot and uh, saying all oh, this, that and the other. He actually said, look, you know, they're brilliant. That's why they're top of the league. We struggled to cope with them second half. The fans were brilliant and they were so noisy. And it's difficult for the players. It's difficult for the players to be able to cope with that. And bigger teams have come to Liverpool and, and failed. As as we've done, and I, and I just think, well, I'll take my hat off to you. I think that you'd be really, really honest. But I thought it was a good performance. Second half, once they got in control, I thought it was a really dominant performance. And um, Mr. Elliot, I thought was absolutely magnificent for a youngster. He really took control of the game, which he has done a few times. And you know, and he's really sort of showing the manager that he's one for the future. There's lots of good youth players coming through at Liverpool, and I think that uh, he's bold enough to be able to throw them in. And they're showing up really, really well. And I think it was a it's a good performance at this level. I mean, I was really worried at the start because obviously, like when you see a team go down one nil, always worried, don't you? That it's going to be Luton's night. But I think that they, the manager, gave them a half-time team talk, said, "Look, settle down, relax, enjoy it." And I think they did second half and um, a, a really valuable three points. I think it's quite incredible to say that Harvey Elliott is still a youngster and he is, he's 20 years yeah. old, but he registered his 100th appearance for uh, Liverpool Amazing. last night and capped it yeah. off with the goal. He's, he's done very well, has Harvey Elliott and uh, long may it continue. I think anybody sort of like who, who enjoys their football, you know, will, will look at the performance that he put in and think, well, actually he really, really deserved his goal because his work rate was absolutely incredible. I mean, it's all over the park and, uh, I don't know what sort of mileage you've done, but uh, I have to really take my hat off because that was one hell of a performance. Yes, and with that, we move to the weekend fixtures. Gentlemen, we will save the Carabao Cup for last, as that is the been creme de la creme. It's been cancelled. Lack of interest. Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> get there. We'll get there. Oh, Mr. Grumpy in the corner. <laughs> Someone sounds bitter. <laughs> Best yeah. cup in the world last year, wasn't it, Greg? <laughs> Very important last season. It's just gone downhill since. <laughs> that, it was up there with the European Cup, wasn't it? Bigger than the European Cup last season. You know what three it is? Three handles. One, two, three handles. <laughs> I, I think we touched on this, but the Carabao Cup is only important if you're in the final. Other than that, it's it's a Disney Cup. But if you're in it, it is important. You want to win it. It's 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 silverware. I know you've said not to Tom, but just in case I don't, if I have to go before the end. Can I just say that? Oh, I Liverpool! <laughs> in fact, in, in case you do, seeing as we're go, talking Carabao Cup, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. No, you're right. You're right. Carabao Cup. Let's let's keep our favourite till last. We'll have Dave start. <laughs> Chelsea versus Liverpool. Where do we begin? It was uh, the, the draw curse was broken the last time they played, obviously in that 4-1 win at the end of January. So a repeat from a couple of weeks ago. Chelsea coming into it on inconsistent form and obviously Liverpool coming in off the back of that win over Luton. 
Two teams with a lot of injuries and both teams, of course, perhaps hoping for the silverware for very different reasons. Pochettino to perhaps keep his job and Liverpool to um, allow Klopp some silverware in his final season. Where do you see this one going, Dave? <laughs> Where do I see it going? Something tells me that I'm probably going to see it going all the way to penalties because these two teams seem to like doing that. The cup finals, what was it, uh, a couple of years ago, they a couple of stinky finals on it in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup but to be honest I'll take a, another stinky game if it means that Liverpool come out on top doesn't really matter in the final does it I'm a bit concerned Rick's Rickle like this that Liverpool seem to have got themselves involved into a bit of an injury crisis at the moment but yeah having said that I have had to also eat my words a little bit because Thorpe you came on the podcast a few months ago and you said that you're a fan of of Gakpo I've gone a little bit the other way recently and I think that we need more out of him particularly with the changes that are going to be in force now and he might need to have a little bit of a run in the team but since I said some rather harsh things about him on Saturday he then um, came up with a goal and then scored again in midweek as well so if he wants to really put me in my place and score the winner on Sunday then Come on, Cody. I'm all for it. Absolutely does, happy he days. Does, but he does, he does pop up with a goal every now and again, doesn't he? Like, so I think he's um, he's not been there that long, as he's developing into a decent player, I think. Yeah, no, that's fair. You, you're, you're more... I know, you're just a more rounded individual than I am, Thorpey. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> we say I'm round. How rude. But um, you'd think, looking at the, the two teams at the moment, current form, etc., etc., that... Liverpool should come out on top in this one. But we've seen before that it doesn't always work like that in cup finals. And first goal is always important, et cetera, et cetera. But I look forward to celebrating and texting Rick at the weekend about replacing Manchester United as current champions of the Carabao Cup. Thorpe, do you agree with that sentiment? I think that we've got the ability to uh, to win this game. I think that they're, they're, they're not doing too bad. It all depends which side of... Chelsea turn up, and um, you know we 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 can only keep our fingers crossed that it's um, we can create a chance where we can get in front. We get We're in due front, a four three final, aren't we, Thorpe? We're well, due one. Be, it would be nice if it was for the excitement of it. I mean, my nails wouldn't probably take take that. Uh, you know, my poor old goat might get a good kick in on that one as well. Like you know, so, <laughs> but you know, I, I'd like to think that we've. Um, Still got enough in the in in the team to be able in the squad to be able to win this game. Uh, I think it's going to be tight. I think um, Chelsea will make it difficult for us and uh, probably try and counter attack us. But I think that we've got enough ability in our squad to be able to knock this ball around and create the chances. And if we do, I'm liking to think that we can actually um, get ahead and stay ahead. You know, it really all depends on a couple of players. You know, we've, we've got injuries, Salah a few others that really are integral to our success on Sunday. Hopefully they can actually get um, a couple of them fit. But um, I'm, I, I, I'm sort of like, I'm still going on a 2-1, 2-1 after extra time. He's gone for a, he's, he's gone for a non-penalties win. No, yeah, I'm going to, it's not going to be a penalty shootout. It's going to be a 2-1 extra time. It's going to be a late, late, late winner. There we go. With Liverpool being the away side, you know what you could call that, Thorpe, a 1-2? A little one two one two, a testing, a testing, first <laughs> testing of the night, and now we move to our. You're favorite. not going to ask Rick. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll ask Rick. Rick, what are you, what are your thoughts? I think you've made your thoughts very clear <laughs> midweek when when I asked you about this. How do you see this one going? Oh, Palmer, Trick, don't care. <laughs> I really don't don't care. Uh, 
Dave Pryor, I hope you realise that Newcastle have exclusively got the rights to uh, injury crisis. <laughs> the injuries, yeah. And uh, it's good to see. Uh, the first 55 minutes of, of the game against Luton, I enjoyed very much. <laughs> and it then went downhill rapidly. And the injury hit team won with goals from a £75 million player, a £50 million player, and a £45 million player with two assists from a £40 million player. So you'll excuse me if my heart doesn't bleed for your injury crisis. 1-0 Chelsea, Cole Palmer penalty. Thank you. (laughs) Delivering the goods every single week. Fair enough, our group chat's going to be chaotic at the weekend, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be a mess. Absolute mess. Well, if I could just come in, Tom, very quickly, because unfortunately I'm going to have to bell before the predictions tonight. So um, I just want to quickly say that uh, I'm looking forward to hearing back on what you all have to say. And can I just say, Tom, that because I'm unable to provide mine, can I just say that football wins and so did Liverpool this weekend. And that's my final thought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a soppy bugger. I want to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is uh, departing. You're not allowed to say anything horrible about me because I will be listening to this back. <laughs> it'll be too late then. It'll be said. Well, remember, I am the commentary team manager of Three Valleys Radio. <laughs> if you want to do comms, you've got, you got to say nice things. <laughs> oh, thank God he's gone. We'll carry on without Dave. I'm sure we'll have some of his predictions coming through via the video printer, a.k.a. a WhatsApp message. Um, <laughs> we will start with Saturday's Premier League action where Aston Villa host Nottingham Forest. Villa coming in off the back of a 2-1 win over Fulham, whereas Nottingham Forest, well, Nottingham Forest also come in off a win, an important 2-0 win at home to West Ham United. Rick, with Nottingham Forest getting that win, do you think there's there's a chance of an upset here? Or do you think Villa, with their uh, with their recent form, could do just enough to, to get something out of this? I think it's an ideal opportunity for uh, Villa to get back into some some sort of form. Their recent results have been not what they would have liked after the start they had to the season. I, I think the Forest are the team most likely to get dragged into a relegation battle and might swap places with, with Luton at some point. So, I yeah, I just, I think that Villa, their home form was so impressive at the start of the season and... I don't see any reason why they can't they can't come out of this with a a two nil win. Thorpey, any advances on on a two nil or a, no? Or I, a... I, I, similar, I, I pretty much said. I was going to say. I think their form is you know it, it needs to come back. Got a striker who's really on form, and uh, I can see there's only one one winner of this one. So uh, you know, I, I, I might just go a little bit further and say something like three one. London Forest have been doing really well. And they've got enough in their tank to get a, you know, to get a, to, on the score sheet. So um, I'll give them one. And then but I think uh, Aston Villa home, I'd like to see their form come back. They're an interesting side. And um, so 3-1 three, three, home win for me. You've taken the words right out of my mouth, Thorpe. I've also gone for a 3-1 yeah. Villa win. Rick Hyatt, on behalf of Dave Pryor, what has uh, <laughs> Mr Hilda Pryor said for Villa versus Forest? You're going to be gutted with this. Aston Villa 3 Nottingham Forest won. Wow. Maybe this means Rick's in the minority. Maybe we're, <laughs> we're onto something here. No change there. 3-1. This, of course, means it's going to be a nil-nil. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll wait and see what happens with that one. We'll move to the second of four three o'clock fixtures on Saturday, where Brighton and Hove Albion will host Everton. Everton coming in off the back of a one-all draw 
with uh, Palace. An important draw, you could say. They've uh, not won in the league, actually, since the 16th of December, where they beat Burnley, which, to be honest, it feels like everyone can do. So, interesting run of form for Everton. Brighton absolutely trouncing Sheffield United last weekend as well. Thorpe, do you think this is grounds for a bit of a, a mauling at uh, the MX Stadium? It could be. It could be. But, you know, Dodge has, has proven time and time again that the, he, he gets resilience into his sides and... Um, you know, I actually think this one could be a you know a few goals going either way, but uh, I think it'll end up being a, a good old Desmond two-two. Greg, the first Desmond has been dropped. What are your thoughts? I think that despite Everton getting a bit of momentum, the last twenty minutes of the game against Palace, they re- were really on the front foot and they looked more impressive team. But I, I still don't think they'll have enough to beat the hipsters. And for that reason, Brighton and Hove Albion 2-1 Everton. 2-1 Everton? No. Yeah, 2-1 Everton. Ah. I'm reading it as it comes comes across, Thorpe. Yes. I'm wondering if we get a repeat of last year. Last year, Brighton and Hove Albion 1, Everton 5. I don't think it's going to be quite like that. Although, then again, we said that last year. I've gone for a 2-0. I don't think... Everton have got a goal threat or a consistent goal threat at the moment. Calvert-Lewin is out of form. Jack Harrison is probably the only player off the top of my head I can think of that can consistently do anything in attack and maybe Dwight McNeil, but no striking options at least as Beto is as bad as I expected he would be. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 to Brighton. What has Dave Pryor given you, Rick? Brighton and Hove Albion won, Everton won. Oh, he's gone for a Dez. A Dez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. Dave Pryor, of course, the man who last week put his neck on the line with a five-nil prediction and got it right. We can cut this out. He doesn't. He's not here. He doesn't have to remind us of this. We can cut this out. <laughs> he did send me a. Me- he sent me uh, a message that said, "Forgot to mention my three correct scores from last week." <laughs> God. Evening, Those Dave. As well. Evening, Mister Pryor. Uh, well, we'll move on to the next fixture, which is, well, if you'd asked me this a week ago, I would have sided this one. Instead, I'm looking at this with intrigue. It is Crystal Palace hosting Burnley. It is Oliver Glasner's first game in charge of Crystal Palace. Will be interesting to see how he goes. Of course, former Europa League winner with Eintracht Frankfurt over Rangers in 2022, of course. And Burnley coming in off the back of that drubbing at home to Arsenal. Rick, do you think that this is a chance for Crystal Palace to really kick on with their season now? Of course, they are five points above the drop, but they've been out of sorts for quite a while now. Do you think they've got the the facilities and the the players to get themselves back into the shape of things with this new management? Their first team has always looked quite impressive. It's a squad depth that comes down and and bites them on the bum. And now that Dave Pryor's campaign to get rid of Roy has come to fruition... I think that, you know, they'll, they'll they'll press on. I mean, Roy's stayed on a season too long, I think. He came in last season. He should have said goodbye at the end of last season mm. and not carried on this season. He was on a on a hiding to nothing. And I think it's going to be uh, Crystal Palace 2-0 to Burnley. Well, uh, literally, I just, no point you say anything. I absolutely agree with 100% of what uh, Sir Rick has just said. So uh, I equally am going down that route of a 2 0 Crystal Palace uh, win. And I've said before, I, I, I don't think that he's learned his lesson at, at Burnley and um, he needs to change his game. He won't do that. 
and I, I just think that he'll he'll just keep on getting kicked. And I think that he's had a, uh, the Crystal Palace manager, new manager, has had a, a week to work with him. His team, I think he'll get them in good stead, and I think they'll come out with a, a positive result. And I agree with everything Rick said. Love you, Thorpey. There we go. I'm going to disagree. I, I take your Not point. So perfectly, you, perfectly valid point. I've gone for a Desmond. And I don't know why. I just have a feeling that Burnley will get some goals. But I also don't see Palace being bad enough to lose to Burnley. So I've gone for a Desmond. I'm not sure mm. if Dave agrees, though. Mr. Pryor, from the safety of distance, has said Crystal Palace 3, Burnley nil. Palace are yeah. crap, but Burnley are really crap. <laughs> I suppose that's that's a fair way of putting that one. Moving on to the final three o'clock fixture as Rick kicks back in his chair. It is Manchester United hosting Fulham. And a couple of weeks ago, I did make the comment of a tiny club. Perhaps I was a bit harsh, overzealous. Manchester United have been playing very well recently. They are still unbeaten in 2024. And uh, I'm going to start proceedings with a 3 0 win. Manchester United winning at home against Fulham. Ooh, we'll leave Rick till last. Thorpe, what are you going next? I think they'll flatter this team. I don't think this, his tactics will be right for this game. Uh, and um, he'll probably moan about one or two of the goals, probably. But yeah, uh, I'll, I'll probably even go further than that. I think it'll probably be a 4 0 to, um, yeah, Fulham, uh, to Man United. What has Dave Pryor said? Again, I'd, I'm going to leave Rick last on this one. I'd love to hear, I'd love to just see the little glee <laughs> on his face. Dave Pryor agrees with. You, Manchester United three, Fulham nil. We're on, we're on the same page here. We're doing well. Yeah, me and Dave, we're we're on on similar lines. Rick, are you also on similar lines? You know, this oh, podcast God. is a pleasure to do. The monologue begins sometimes. <laughs> this is so different to what it was running up to Christmas. It's just amazing the difference that a few good results and getting somebody who has the best interest of the football club taking charge of the football side of things. So Jim has been in making all the right noises this week, upsetting the right people. Little Newcastle are a little bit upset with things that he's been saying and the Scousers and the Camel Botherers, they're all a little bit annoyed at things that Sir Jim has been saying, and God bless you, Governor. I do know that Rasmus Hoyland will score. That's one thing I do know that will happen. And I don't think he'll be the only player wearing the mighty Manchester red shirt to score a goal. Although, it does depend on how many players Fulham have sent off. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if you cast your mind back to the uh, FA Cup last year, that did sort of help. But I, I, I agree that the mighty Manchester Reds will score three goals. But I believe that Fulham... Because United have got an honour in goal, we'll get one back. So I think it'll be 3-1 to uh, Manchester United. And with that, we move to the 5.30 kickoff in the Nathan Ake derby. It's AFC Bournemouth versus Manchester City. Who do we begin with this time? Thorpey, what are your thoughts on uh, Bournemouth versus City? Obviously, City winning midweek against Brentford. Bournemouth in different form, not one in four now. But, yeah, uh, they, they might they might flag draws. this eve, but I think uh, Man City will come out impressive winners on this one. Uh, yeah, probably three nil, three nil. I think uh, Man City on that one. Can't really see, although they you know they, they sometimes turn up uh, Bournemouth like, but I think that Man City just got too much for them. You know, as much as they're the, the, the indifferent, I'd love to see them mess up, but I just think this game is is, is going to start pushing his team now for more results. It's going to you know drive his team forward now, so. Yeah, I'm going to go for 3-0 uh, Man City. 
Rick Hyatt, does Dave have any advances on three? He does. He has an advancement of one. He predicts the Bournemouth Cherries one, the Camel Botherers four. Oh, a plus for both sides. I've gone for a 2-1 to Manchester City. Not sure why, again, just really feeling like I've been too kind in my predictions to City recently. So maybe it'll be a bit of a title one. Bournemouth, of course, my second favourite side, as we've established. Rick, what are your estimations on this one? I mean, of course, we know that City are up there in your in your thoughts. I think you're overplaying their significance. And I think Manchester City will be lucky to get away with a one-all draw. Wow. They didn't put Brentford away, convincingly. And I, th- I think it'll... Uh, yeah, I, th- I got a funny feeling Bournemouth on their own homeboy turf are going to come out with a one-all draw there. You know what? You've inspired me. You've inspired me. I'm going one-all as well. Oh! I've changed my mind. I thought about it, but no, I wasn't I wasn't brave enough. You've inspired me. You've, you've, you're the difference maker there, Rick Hyde. <laughs> we will uh, move to the 8 o'clock kickoff, which still feels mental. Wrong. Particularly when you find out that it is Arsenal hosting Newcastle United. Now, that's a long, long way to go it takes, anyways. It takes a lot for me to have any sympathy for Geordies at all. But that's just wrong, isn't it? It's it's very harsh. An eight o'clock kickoff in the capital on a Saturday and you've got to get back to the northeast. That's just stupid. That's not caring yeah. about people. That's not looking after your product. It's wrong. Yeah, totally agree. Well, onto the football aspect of it now. Arsenal... We were saying they were purring. Of course, they scored 11 goals in two Premier League games, but then they had that sort of misfire against Porto midweek. Newcastle feel like they're getting themselves back into the swing of things. Players starting to come back from their injury crisis and, you know, they've they've hit a lot of goals as well. It could be an interesting game. I think I'm going to go for a 3-2 Arsenal win. And I think that's unfair on Newcastle, but I I just think Arsenal will be so cheesed off from, from the midweek that, they're going to want to come out hitting and, and firing here. So I'm going to start off with a three-two. Thorpe, what would you what would you um, add to that? No, I'm just thinking. I think Newcastle have uh, might, for somebody just telling me they might surprise a few people at this this game, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to win two-one. The Emirates, no less. Rick Hyatt. Mm-hmm. I think I can smell a Desmond down the middle. Two-two. Yeah. And I also believe that Arteta and Tindall will really tear it up on the sidelines and they'll, be, they'll have to be pulled apart at some point. Will it, will it make Arteta's hair move? No, his hair won't move. No. And Tindall's tan won't crack. Those things are constant. They will stay the same all throughout the season. But I, yeah, I think it'd be a Desmond. What has Dave Pryor said? Is he, he's got to agree with one of us as we've all said something different here. This is a, a true one for the neutrals. He has reinforced my belief that my prediction is correct. By predicting a 4-1 Arsenal win. Uh, oh, you, you threw me there. 4-1 Arsenal win. Whoa, that's a big one for he's them. Gone, that's nine goals he's predicted Arsenal to score in the last two. Are you sure he's a Liverpool supporter and he's not a closet gunner? I'm starting to worry. Yeah. I'll be honest. I am starting to worry. He's showing worrying tendencies. We're going to move to Sunday, where, of course, we've already covered the uh, the Carabao Cup Thank final. Thank God there's some football to watch on Sunday. <sighs> This is, this is a, the massive one o'clock clash between Cadiz and Celta Vigo in La Liga, if you're interested, Rick. Alternatively, there is a, I think this is English time, it's half past one between Wolverhampton Wanderers and Sheffield United. Now, I would have said a couple, well, at the start of the season, this would be a dead rubber nil-nil move on. But Wolves have proven me wrong on many an occasion this season. And Sheffield United have as well, perhaps for all the wrong reasons, though. Thorpe, 
we're going to start with you with Sheffield United obviously being trounced by Brighton and Wolves getting a surprise win over Spurs. How do you see this one going with Wolves being at home and having a well less injuries, just better players, everything? Yeah, I've said before, I, I, I love the way he plays. I love the way he sets his sides up. There's passion in the way that they play. There's obviously things going wrong at Sheffield at the moment. And um, I, I just think that he'll have too much for them. I'm not saying Sheffield won't fight for it, because I do think they will. But I just think that, that it's just not happening for them at the moment. So I think that they'll comfortably uh, win 3-1. Wolves will win 3-1. I'll jump in straight away by agreeing. I also think 3-1 winners for for the Wolverhampton Wanderers. What's Dave said, Rick? He said 3-0. 3-0. Another one. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Your tangerines. What do you think of your tangerines? Are you looking forward to this? I am in a strange sort of way. I like the way Gary O'Neill sets the team up, much as Thorpe has said. You know, it's. I think that Neto is going to have an absolute field day, and it wouldn't surprise me if it... Well, I'm torn between 2-0 and 4-0, because I don't want to say 3. Does that make sense? I mean, we could just all be in unity. You can say three if you want to say three. No, I don't want to agree with you. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> Even then. if I believe that you're right, I'd rather say something <laughs> different. Uh, in that case, I think I've got 2-0 to the Tangerine Wolverhampton Wanderers. And then after, immediately after this game is finished, I'll be searching around uh, trying to find coverage of the Lowland League game between Broomhill and Trenent, which is kicks off at three o'clock. It's quite a big fixture. Nothing else that's to a, watch. That's a, that's a heavyweight clash there. One I'm looking well, forward to very much. What with there being no <laughs> other football to watch? Ah, oh, Rick Hyatt. We'll move to Monday night where we've got one final fixture in the Premier League. It's also the start of the FA Cup fixtures. Well, I'm sure we'll cover that one at a different time as we've, uh, we're running out of time. So West Ham United hosting Brentford, 8 o'clock on Monday night. Rick, do you think uh, your brother may go through some more trauma with, with Moyes at the helm? Or do you think they've got enough to, to deal with Brentford? I think it'll be a, a one-all draw. A Des leading up to Dave Pryor's prediction of a Desmond. So uh, we're, Desmond. we're in agreement that it's going to be uh, one point each at the end of this. I think West Ham, are, they're struggling at the moment. They really are. I thought they'd have turned it around by now, but they're just really struggling to put performances together. And the writing could be on the wall for, for David Moyeth, unfortunately, as much as I'd like him to do well. But I think, yeah, I think that wouldn't be a, a Des one or and uh, Dave Pryor has just written three words. West Ham, Brentford, Desmond. That's that then, I suppose. Thorpe, we'll come to you very quickly. What are your thoughts on West Ham, Brentford? I'm agreeing with Rick again, really, on this one. I think that the West Ham, for some reason, seem to be struggling a little bit at the moment. And uh, I think Brentford is still playing some decent football. Even though they're not getting the results, they're still playing some decent football. So I'm, I'm sort of edging towards I'm edging towards them. They should have a listen. West Ham occasionally listen do get a result. I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. Go one one. I've gone for a one Yeah, I'll, I'll go one one. Yeah, I've gone for a one nil to Brentford. I'm just not necessarily convinced by Moyes at the moment, and I think Brentford are playing better than I perhaps give them credit for. So. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the 1-0 win. That and I've not predicted a single away win. So I'll go for that as well. (laughs) And with that, that's brought us to the end of the podcast, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you all. Um, A goodbye on behalf of commentary team manager Dave Pryor. Of course, if you are not able to make it to Chelmsford at the weekend, 
listening to uh, Gav Cheatham and Scythia covering that one. So tune in from about five to three for coverage of Chelmsford City versus Yeovil Town on Three Valleys Radio. Uh, Thorpey, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you back. Buenos dias. Oh, he's even learned some Spanish. Buenas noches. A good night from yourself as well. Uh, Rick Hyatt, good night from you. A good night from me. And best wishes to the goat, Thorpey. Look after yeah. your goat. <laughs> I'm sending him to the vet straight away to get recovery. I'm, he's I'm, I'm traumatised. Right. You've traumatised that goat. He's proper traumatised. But he'll we'll, 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 we'll be, we'll be back. Don't worry, he'll be back. It's a goodbye from myself, Tom Bailey, as you've been listening to... Football by the hell.